Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Again, Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. Hear now the word of the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you, that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Ryan. Originally, I was going to preach on both how to honor our parents as well as how to raise our kids, but I quickly realized that uh, I needed to divide that up into at least two, if not three, sermons. And so today, I'm going to focus on how we honor our parents, and then next week, uh, move on to how to raise our kids. Parents, can't live with them. You certainly can't live without them, right? Some of us here have great relationships with our parents, and I see some of you actually have your parents here with us. Others of us have very complicated relationships. I think we can all agree that there's no one more influential, more impactful or transformative to our upbringing, to our shaping, to our development more than our parents. I know many of us are now at a stage in life where loving our parents is becoming increasingly challenging. The fact of the matter is, is as we get older, so too our parents get older. I'm in the stage of life where my parents are in their 70s and 80s, and I find that nowadays I attend far more funerals than I do weddings. Whereas before, we used to see our parents regularly in scheduled birthdays and holidays. Now, for many of us, we see our parents unexpectedly in the hospital and at different clinics. We've entered new territory, and we are looking for guidance now that we are in this season of life, wondering what it looks like to love our parents. Well, Paul steps into these murky waters and offers us some guidance. He turns our attention to the fifth commandment, which is honor thy father and mother. Now, what does it mean to honor your father and mother? Well, the word honor comes from the Hebrew uh, pronounced kabod, which literally means heavy, heavy. Now, by heavy, it's not referring to an object's weight as much as it's referring to an object's weightiness. So, for example, if you watch the movie Schindler's List, there's probably people who walked out of the theater saying that movie was heavy. It was deep. It was profound, significant. 
Another note about this Hebrew word kabod, a derivative of it is where we also get the word glory, specifically God's glory. There's a lot of heaviness to who God is. He's not someone you take lightly. He's not someone paper thin. No, there's weightiness to who God is. And so when you uh, look at all the ways this word is used, God then applies it now to how we are to treat our parents. We are to cabode our parents. We are to not treat them lightly or flippantly. No, they are serious people God's placed in our lives. They are important. They are significant. We are to honor them. And the positioning of the fifth commandment further underscores the importance of honoring our parents When you look at the Ten Commandments, you'll notice that it's divided up into two categories. On one hand, you have commands that guide and direct how we are to love God. On the other hand, you have commands that direct and guide how we are to love man. So you have the vertical dimension and the horizontal dimension. And you'll notice that commands one through four deal with how to love God. Five through ten deal with how to love God man. And so of all the commandments that direct how we are to love mankind, the first commandment God places upon us is honor your father and mother. That's how important it is. And so what does it look like then to kabod your father and mother, to honor them, to treat them significantly and give them the the weight that they deserve? Well, a lot of it depends on the stage of life you are in. Your relationship to your parents changes dramatically over the years. Your five-year-old self relates to your parents far differently than your 55-year-old self. And the difference in stages and application is seen here in our passage. In verse 1, Paul reminds us that for children, honoring your parents means obeying them. He says in verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. The word translated as children here refers to little children. And so obedience is what it means for a child to honor his or her parents. But as a child grows, however, he or she will mature over time and become increasingly independent. That's the goal of parenting, right? To raise them up so that one day they will no longer need you and depend upon you and rely upon you. Now that my daughter is in college, she no longer asks me how late she can stay out at night. She no longer asks me what she should eat for dinner. She no longer asks me whether or not she should go hang out with her friends. If she did, I failed at my job in being her dad. In fact, the Bible says that eventually when we get married, we are called to leave father and mother and cleave to our spouse. Obedience, then, is not the proper expression of honor. At this point, honoring morphs into reverence. Reverence looks different depending upon the culture that you are a part of. 
in Korean culture, to revere someone is to bow before them and not look them in the eye. In American culture, to revere someone is to stand tall in their presence, to get up and to look them in the eye. Here in America, honoring your parents includes checking in on them, calling them, updating them, visiting them, asking for advice, even if you may not take that advice, celebrating birthdays, remembering them during holidays, going on vacation with them. These are all examples of how we can honor our parents. But then there comes a season where reverence morphs more into support. In this late stage of life, you have a role reversal. No longer are you the one depending on your parents. They now depend upon you. Before they held your hand to help you walk, now they are holding your hand so that you could help them walk before they used to feed you and clean you when you're little now you're the one feeding them and cleaning them as they are old this stage of honoring is reflected in first timothy 5 3 through 4 where paul says support widows who are genuinely in need but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them learn to practice godliness toward their own family first and to repay their parents, for this pleases God. Here Paul says that uh, caring for the widows is an obligation placed upon everyone in the church, but especially if you are the children or grandchildren of that widow, especially for you, please take care of your mother or grandmother. Jesus, too, took the fifth commandment seriously. In Matthew 15, he rebukes the Pharisees. Why? Because the Pharisees created a loophole when it came to supporting their parents. Apparently, the Pharisees taught that so long as you gave of your offerings and tithes to God, that made you exempt from having to financially support your own mom and dad. And Jesus calls them out and says, no, that is breaking the fifth commandment. As someone who is bicultural, I can say that one thing I appreciate about my Korean heritage is the emphasis that culture that our that our culture has upon honoring the elderly it's understood if not assumed that every korean son or daughter will one day take care of their aging parents unfortunately in the hyper individualized culture of america where independence and freedom are very strong values supporting your parents is not automatically assumed in fact surveys say that only half of americans believe that it's a children's or a child's responsibility to take care of their aging spouse uh, aging parents Michael Horton is a professor, one of my seminary professors, and he shares about how he grew up in a retirement home because his parents owned one. 
And he shared how sad it would be to see pastors and church workers drop off their parents at the retirement home to never ever visit their parents again. Not even on Christmas or Easter or birthdays. And he remembers going shopping with his mom to buy gifts for these elderly folk whose only gift that year would be from his mom. As Christians, we ought to do better. Now, I mentioned at the outset that some of us have very complicated relationships with our parents. I know that some of you have not talked to your mom or dad in 20, 30 years. Perhaps you were abandoned by your mother or father. Perhaps you were abused, mistreated, neglected by your parents. Perhaps you were manipulated and used by your parents. While some of us here aspire to one day be like mom or dad, I know that some of us' worst nightmares is to become like mom or dad. I mentioned last week how the impact of the fall, that impact is most evidently seen in marriage, but I think it also applies in parenting. We see some of humanity's darkest sides in the home. And so if that's you, Hearing me talk about honoring your father or mother is as appetizing as eating a handful of gravel. Jeff, that is the last thing I want to do. Well, I want you to know that the fifth commandment does not say admire your father and mother. It doesn't say trust your father or mother. It doesn't say enjoy your father or mother. For some of you, it would be wrong to admire them, foolish to trust them, ungodly to listen to them. For some of you, your parents have commanded you, don't believe in Jesus, don't follow him, don't get baptized. For some of you, your parents are asking for money to feed an addiction. Thankfully, the fifth commandment simply says to honor your parents. And I want you to know that it's possible to honor your parents without respecting them, admiring them, listening to them. We can honor our parents the same way we can honor the President of the United States. Whether or not you agree with the president's policy and decisions, whether or not you look up to his character and conduct, you can talk about the president in a way that is honoring, maybe not of the person, but at least of the office. In the same way, we can honor our parents even though they may act dishonorably because you're honoring the office, the position, maybe not the person. 
We can take our cues from those who are in the service industry who day after day know what it's like to be professional to customers who may act like jerks to us. Now, as I've described for you what it looks like to honor mother and father, I would not be surprised if some of you are kind of slinking down into your chairs as you're reminded of all the ways you are falling short in this area. I have been blessed with parents who have given me much and also don't expect or demand much of me. I have parents who will, even on their birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, will tell me, Jeffrey, don't visit. We live too far, too much traffic. In other words, we are not worth the drive. You would think they live in Oregon or Seattle. They live in LA, right? Like, don't visit us. And my dad will actually be like, you better not. He gets like upset if we do. That's the type of parents I have. Some of you may know that last year I went on sabbatical. And so for four months, I was free of all obligations and responsibilities to our church. And one of my goals during my sabbatical was to spend more time with family, which included my parents. And I remember at the beginning of the sabbatical, I told myself, you know what? I am going to visit my parents every Tuesday. That would make them so happy. I'm not doing anything else. What a great idea. Can you guess how many times I visited them? Once. Once. I share this in order to let you know that I am right there with you. That when it comes to honoring parents, it's one of those things that I know that I fall short And I know I'm not alone. I know some of you here carry some deep regrets over the ways you have fallen short of this command. For those of you who are teenagers, the stage of life can be difficult as you grow in independence, as you deal with the burden of school, applying to college, as you handle extracurriculars and the pressures of life, and perhaps when everything is kind of crushing, crashing down on you, perhaps you have said or done things to your parents that you regret. For others in this room, we wish we were teenagers again. Why? Because it means that our parents would be alive. And if they are alive, then we would be able to say the things we wish we could have said. We could have made atonement for sins we've committed. We could have taken them on trips we wished we could have done. But it's too late now, and all that's left is a heart full of regret. For those of us who are feeling the weight of our failures, I have good news for you. Jesus came into this world 
to save sinners. He came into this world not to reward the godly for their obedience, but to rescue the ungodly from their disobedience. And one of the areas he specializes in when it comes to forgiveness and redemption is the fifth commandment. One interesting feature about the Gospels is that people note there's not much written about Jesus when he was young. Scholars call this the lost years of the Gospels. We aren't told much of what Jesus was like as a child. But there are a few things that are mentioned, one of which is found in Luke chapter 2, 51 through 52. It says, quote, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. I want you to imagine how hard it must have been for Jesus to obey his parents. Some of the things he obeyed were probably things that were not right. My kids are well aware of my own shortcomings. They've seen me at my best and at my worst. How much more Jesus, who could pick apart Mary and Joseph. You know, you're a little angry right now, and I don't think you're looking out for my well-being. You're just being vindictive here. I think you're being a little bit selfish. I think, Mom, you're just really tired and cranky, and that's why you're mad at me. It's not really because of anything I've done. And yet, despite all the, the, the flaws he, he, he noticed and observed about his parents, we are told that he obeyed them. He honored them. He kept the fifth commandment. And the honoring of his parents would hold true all the way to the end in one of the most dramatic moments of the cross, in one of the final acts of his life with the remaining breaths that he had here. He thinks of his mother. He cries out in John chapter 19, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. What a, an amazing scene. Despite the agonizing pain and torture of the cross, despite the humiliation of dying, in front of a jeering crowd, despite the, the crushing weight of the Father's wrath as he bore the sins of his people, Jesus actually thinks of his mom and makes provision for her to be taken care of after he dies. He honors her to the very end. From the manger to the cross, he was the perfect son. And the gospel declares to us this morning that if you believe and trust in Jesus, his obedience becomes yours. You are covered with the perfect righteousness of Christ and that though you are an imperfect son and daughter, you stand perfectly before our Lord. 
all of our regrets, all of our failures will one day be eclipsed by his glory. And yet the gospel does more than just cover up our guilt and shame. It also empowers our obedience. It empowers us to honor father and mother. As I mentioned before, what makes this commandment so hard is not only the sinfulness that we find in ourselves, but also the the sinfulness we see in our parents. It's hard to honor them when they are foolish and ungrateful and constantly complaining. I know there are some of you who struggle with deep resentment bitterness over your parents. I have counseled people who have shared that their deepest unmet longing is to hear their mom or dad simply say, I'm proud of you. I remember a meeting with a sister crying crocodile tears, saying, how much she wanted to make her mom proud. And yet, despite getting a perfect 1600 on the SAT, despite getting a full scholarship to Berkeley, despite having an amazing engineering job afterwards, all she hears her mom say is just criticize her over and over. Perhaps your parents' affection and love and approval is your Moby Dick, the elusive whale that's always out of reach, leaving behind bitterness and resentment in your heart. Well, if that's you, I also have good news. Though your earthly parents may have failed you, You have a heavenly father who has not. You have a heavenly father who loves you perfectly, who cares for you, who is attentive to your every need, who smiles down on you with pride. You have a heavenly father who never makes you feel used, who is never too busy for you, whose door is never closed. You have a heavenly father who loves you not only when you get A's, but especially when you get F's. You have a heavenly father who loves you in your best moments, but also especially at your worst moments. Why? Because you are his child. And he has set his heart upon you and made a covenant with you that no matter what you do, nothing will separate you from the love of God the Father and that his love is unceasing and inexhaustible and unconditional. And this love is so great, so penetrating, so deep, it has the power to heal and cover those wounds that have scarred over. 
It has the power to minister to you in such a deep way that no longer do you feel neglected or incomplete or empty or unworthy or not enough. It has the power to flood your soul to the point where you're finally able to let go of your resentment, let go of your bitterness. You're no longer held captive by your parents' abandonment. And you can live in the freedom of being a a son or daughter of God. And you can walk forward and hold your head high and even do what was once thought impossible, forgive your parents and even honor them. That's the power of the gospel. That's why we sing. The gospel then meets us where we are and heals us of every wound. It has the power to redeem us from our own sins. It has the power to free us from our parents' sins. It enables us to forgive. It empowers us to honor. It helps us to walk the footsteps of Jesus and honor our parents the way he honored his. And so this is the hope that we have of the gospel. And I pray that it ministers to you today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that not only are you heavy, but the gospel you have blessed us with is weighty. It is no small thing. It is not simply a band-aid or a crutch that we lean on. No, the gospel is the power of God to save and heal sinners. And we thank you, O Lord, that it can reach us even in our darkest, most painful places. We thank you that it makes us whole in Christ. And I pray, Father, that the gospel would make its power known by ministering to every single soul here. We have so many stories here, so many stories of heartbreak. And yet, oh Lord, we thank you that at the end of the day, because of Jesus, our story ends with praise and glory. Thank you, Lord, for sending us your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.